Welcome to the Invest Smarter Podcast, where you'll learn about the power of building wealth through real estate and how you can achieve financial freedom through multifamily investing. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com, and take advantage of our free ebook, Multifamily Millions, How Anyone Can Invest in Apartment Buildings. Now, here's our host, Simon Castillo. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Friday. Welcome back to another Friday Look Back episode of the Invest Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Castillo, and this is my opportunity to provide you with my best insights and advice into the world of real estate investing, business, and entrepreneurship. So as always, I'd like to start off, first of all, by reminding everyone that uh, we do have open investment opportunities Right now, we have both long-term and short-term opportunities available. And if you'd like to know more about these kinds of investment opportunities, the best way is to go to our website, sastexascapital.com. And there you can sign up for our newsletter or download any of our free resources, uh, educational resources that gets you onto our email list and will notify you of new opportunities as they become available. However, we do have opportunities now, so you can also schedule a call directly with me. You can email me directly. I'd be happy to get back to you if you have any questions. Um, But again, uh, sastexascapital.com is the place to go. Uh, Sign up for the newsletter, download any of our free resources, uh, become part of our community, and be notified of new opportunities as they become available. So the question I have for you today is, have you ever bought or sold a house. So for most of our listeners, I would think that we have, you know, most listeners have probably bought or sold a house at some point um, in their lives. And if you haven't, that's okay. Uh, this is, this will still be educational for you. The funny thing is, you know, with all of the amount of houses that I've bought and sold in, in the past 17 years, many times I actually have no idea how much my real estate agent got paid. So as you know, in the United States, when someone decides to buy or sell a house, they typically have to have a real estate agent uh, in order to get that transaction uh, completed. So, you know, when you decide to sell a home, you go out, you find a real estate agent, you'll talk to the agent. And one of the first things that will probably come up in your conversation is going to be about the commission and what is going to be. Uh, the seller's commission, the selling agent, uh, seller's agent commission, and what will be the buyer's agent uh, commission. And oftentimes what commissions are paid is often one of the more nebulous parts of the home sale. Now it's important to to understand and remember um, that as a seller, you, when you sell your home, you are the one who pays for the buyer's agent. I don't know if that's clear um, for some of you, and, and it may not be, but so let me repeat that. So when you are a seller of a home and you sell your home, the buyer's agent's commission comes out of your proceeds. Now, this is this is how real estate transactions have played out for a long time. And critics of the system have said that it's, you know, it's a system that lacks transparency and can keep home prices high because of the need to pay out these commissions. And now in the last week or so, there's been a historic verdict 
in a federal class action lawsuit that could totally change how all of this works. So a federal jury in Missouri found that the National Association of Realtors was liable for artificially inflating commissions and awarded the plaintiffs $1.8 billion in damages. Let me repeat that number because it was billion with a B, $1.8 billion in damages uh, to, to the plaintiffs. Now, the plaintiffs were arguing that the organization, the National Association of Realtors, forced home sellers to pay both the seller and buyer fees, and they called that practice wrong, illegal, and misleading. So this, this could have a huge, a huge impact on the real estate industry as, as we've known it for you know, decades. Um, and, and there is a potential you know, for, to, to see significant change um, and there's going to be pressure, um, you know, to, to make significant changes in the real estate industry. So to, to think about this, we probably need to think back to, you know, how did this system, the current system of commissions for real estate agents, how did, how did it come into play? And like I mentioned, it's been decades that it's been this way. And I think if you go back to the 1990s, um, that's where uh, I, I think, it's a good starting point to, to look at because, you know, buyers uh, were not required to use their own broker. The seller's broker would facilitate the whole transaction. Um, but there was an argument that buyers were being underrepresented. And what I mean by that is that they didn't have an advocate for them in the process. So the seller's agent job was to sell the house on behalf of the seller. So, it wasn't important to them what terms uh, were available for the buyer. Now you can you can certainly make the argument that everyone has the same goal in a uh, real estate transaction, and that is for the buyer to get the house. But sometimes you know things can get complicated in a transaction, and buyers aren't sure you know, how much they should offer for a home, or say the inspection report comes back and there's some things wrong with it. So what is a buyer supposed to do? They don't have someone that's an advocate for them uh, in, the price, in, in this process. So the idea was then that it would be helpful for a buyer to have an agent, a buyer's agent that helps to represent them through the transaction. Now, typically in a, in a, in a, in a real estate transaction, the commissions will be typically five to 6%, 6% really kind of being the norm um, in a transaction. So if you think about what the average home in the U.S. sells for right now, it's in the $400,000 range. And at a 6% commission, you're talking about a commission check um, in the $24,000 range. And that commission then is shared between the seller's agent and the buyer's agent. And typically you're, you're looking at a 50-50 at a split. So a 6% commission, 3% to the seller's agent and 3% to the buyer's agent. Now, when I say that the, the commissions are paid from the seller, the seller doesn't actually write them a check for that amount. Obviously, the, 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 the uh, commissions are deducted from the seller's proceeds. So that's something that a seller has to take into account when they think about how much uh, they will be making off the sale of their house. So currently, you know, the system, the way, the way it typically works is that the sellers will say upfront 
um, what they'll pay the buyer's agent. Um, that way, if it's not something um, in the usual 3% range, then they have, they, they'll typically state that upfront um, in the transaction. And this commission is typically a, a condition for marketing their homes on the uh, what's called the multiple listing service or MLS, which is a database of properties that's used by real estate agents. And this requirement was established in most markets in the United States by the National Association of Realtors. Now, something that's also important to understand is that real estate agents are not salaried. So these are people who work purely on commission and that's how they get paid. You know, they get paid by the seller of the home and a buyer's agent will get a, a split of that commission. A seller's agent is very much invested um, in making sure that a transaction goes to closing and at the closing table, they get paid, you know, their very large check. And this, this commission model has not shown any signs of changing over the years, even even with the um, startups, uh, uh, sites like Zillow uh, and some other um, low fee or low commission uh, real estate sites that have popped up over the years um, that makes it easier for buyers to find listings. Um, so even, even with these new sites and, and, and technology, um, this commission model has not changed very much over the years. Now comes this jury verdict that was reached in a class action lawsuit in Kansas City, Missouri, which could make wholesale changes to this uh, traditional way of, of transacting in real estate. The lawsuit was filed by a bunch of ordinary home sellers who had sold a home in several Midwestern states in recent years, and they filed a lawsuit alleging that the National Association of Realtors and these other major real estate brokerages had broken antitrust laws by conspiring to keep conditions high um, in an effort to collect um, higher commissions and an effort to try to fix prices. Now, the defendants, the National Association of Realtors and these, these major real estate brokerages are on the hook for potentially up to $1.8 billion in damages. Not only that, but there's another larger class action suit that could go to trial in Illinois uh, next year. And this case involves 20 housing markets across the country. And according to one industry analyst, the damages in that trial could top $40 billion. So let me give you kind of a basic example of why this lawsuit was successful. And I think this will help to maybe visualize what, what we're talking about here. So say, for instance, that you're wanting to sell your house um, and you want to save a little bit of money on the real realtor uh, commissions. So instead of paying maybe a typical 6% agent fee uh, from your proceeds, uh, you find a, an online uh, listing services uh, that has fees that are advertised at 2%. So obviously 2% uh, is a pretty significant amount of money that you save on a $400,000 transaction, you know, from 6% to 2%. However, the problem is many times what you get for 2% is not the same that you would get if you were to pay the full commission. So in this example, um, you, you, find a, a, you find a listing broker that you can pay 2% to, but they're not able to list that property on the multiple listing service, the MLS. 
that is run by the National Association of Realtors. The reason that they can't list that property on the MLS is because they they can't offer to pay a buyer's agent their commission because of the low fee that you're paying for the seller's uh, representation here. So what ends up happening here is um, people who have buyer's agents and are out looking for houses won't ever see this house because it's not listed on the MLS. And if by some chance they did find this house and called and were told that they're not going to be offered a buyer's commission, um, then uh, again, they would, they would likely not even show this, this potential house uh, to, their, uh, to their clients. So what ends up happening is the seller, by taking a discount on, the, on paying a, a seller's agent commission, by taking a discount, they may end up having to take a bigger discount on the price of their home because it's not being marketed to the full extent that it could be otherwise in the MLS system. So I know this is kind of a really basic and simple example, but I think what it shows you though is the kind of uh, you know, close-knit business that real estate transactions have become and that agents will steer their clients away from homes where they're not getting paid as much. Um, and that in turn essentially penalizes sellers who want to try a new option and that option could be a lower commission option and a way for them to save some money on commissions and thereby increase the amount of proceeds that they get from the sale of their house. Now, if the case in Illinois goes the same way that the Kansas City one did, it could, it could shake up the way commissions work even more in the real estate industry. It's estimated right now that we pay, Americans pay about $100 billion in real estate commissions every year. And one analyst predicts that if this Illinois case goes to trial and the same outcome uh, uh, as what we saw in Kansas City, the system could cut that figure by 30%. And it could also push more than half of the real estate agents in the US out of the industry. That's the impact of what those changes could look like. So what, what are the kinds of changes that we're talking about? So, I, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different scenarios and, and, and really we, we'll, we would just be speculating, but I think maybe one thing you could see is, is uh, a scenario where they just make it optional for the seller to offer uh, the buyer's agent a commission. So you, will, you don't have to do this in this scenario. You, can choose, you could choose to do this as a way to market your home, but it's no longer going to be required um, in order for you to, to put your home on the multiple listing service. I think this would be a pretty modest step um, in the right direction because, again, it's something that would be at the option of the seller. Um, and I think in most cases, if you want to truly market your home, um, I think it, it would be reasonable um, to negotiate with the buyer's agent an appropriate fee or commission. On the, on the other extreme, um, we could see a change where uh, a seller cannot cover the buyer's agent commission and everyone must pay their own agent. So the seller pays their agent and a buyer pays their agent. Uh, I think this would be a little more extreme. I don't know that this would, I don't, I don't know exactly how this would work out, but the argument against it would be that you also have a world where buyers are having to figure out a way to come up with money to pay an agent out of their own pocket. So if buyers have to pay their own agents, 
would that actually lower the price of a house? And I think that's I think that's a good question, and and we don't know the answer, right? Until until these changes start to play out, we don't really know. So right now, again, using our example of a four hundred thousand dollar house and a six percent commission, you know, a seller is paying somewhere in the range of about twenty four thousand dollars in commissions um, from the proceeds of their house. So if they paid somewhat less in commissions, maybe they could take a little bit uh, off the price of the home. Uh, maybe they have a little extra wiggle room in terms of negotiation. Um, and there's also the possibility that home prices have proven to be pretty sticky and they're not really moving, you know, too, too much. So how much, you know, would sellers be willing to give back in terms of savings back to buyers versus pocketing it themselves? Um, I, I think that's all, you know, I think we have to just wait and see uh, how this all plays out, you know, for sellers and for buyers. So, I think if you're, you know, if you're like a free market economist, um, the argument is um, everything should be should be open, transparent, and negotiable. And neither buyers nor sellers um, are thinking very much about this as a cost and a cost that they could potentially bring down uh, in order to make their home more affordable. So in terms of, a, again, a pure free market economist, I think the argument would be um, that people would, would be better off with a transparent way of seeing, understanding, and knowing exactly uh, how much a selling a home is going to cost them and how much buying a home is going to cost them in terms of real estate agent commissions. And then let the people decide, let the buyers and sellers decide for themselves whether it's worth it to them or not. So that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Invest Smarter podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know you found some value. If you did, please share with a friend, someone that you think would benefit from uh, having some of, this, uh, some of this education and knowledge and leave a five-star rating and a review. It goes a tremendous way in helping to grow the show and attract the types of guests and content that you as a listener want to and need to listen to. So again, thanks for stopping in and listening to this episode. And we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the Invest Smarter podcast, the show that educates you so that you can take control of your financial future. Be sure to rate the show five stars and leave us a review. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you automatically receive the newest edition of the podcast when it's released. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate and taking control of your financial future, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com and take advantage of our free ebook, Multifamily Millions, How Anyone Can Invest in Apartment Buildings. And be sure to sign up for our mailing list to receive exclusive investment opportunities straight to your inbox. It's time to invest smarter. That's sastexascapital.com.